something beyond comprehension is happening to a little girl on this street, in this house. A man has been sent for as a last resort to try and save her. <laughs> So why must it be below freezing when you're possessed by a demon? What's up with all these really cool priests that are just running around this movie? And is the power of Christ really all that compelling? We're going to answer these questions and more on today's episode, where we discuss the highly revered and influential horror classic, The Exorcist from 1973. Now, Joe, you've seen The Exorcist before, right? Oh, wait. Nope. No, you haven't. That's right, because this is the Uncultured Cinematic Universe, the podcast where two friends show each other movies, shows, or anything else that they absolutely need to see or experience. I am your host, Justin, and with me in the uncultured hot seat today is Joe. Say hi, Joe. Justin, that was a master class in line reading and improvisation, I have to say. Well, that's, that's what I do. I've been practicing. Hi, everyone. So um, was that the watched... actual trailer to the movie that we just watched? I think it was one of the original trailers, or it could just be a fan one. But I mean, it's really low quality. Like, that's only like 240p or whatever when I downloaded oh, it. Works. it. So it. It works. But uh, yeah, it is uh, spooky, spooky, spooky. Uh, the, yeah. the flashes of the the basically not even really... Uh, shots from the movie it's just like still frames and flashes but like mm -hmm. i think it's super effective yeah i can answer the cold question for you if you want <laughs> okay yeah do it and why why does it have to be so cold when you're possessed okay um do you remember last year this time last year actually when we were talking about over the garden wall yes and how it was kind of like uh dante's inferno ish okay. like different levels right did you ever read dante's inferno in school or whatever I, uh, no. <laughs> okay. So it's like, it's a story about this like guy in ancient uh, Greece or Rome. Don't, don't come after me for that one. Um, and he's telling a story about him going through the different, uh, levels of hell. That's what, how you get like, uh, the seven layer cake that is hell or something like that. Delicious. Um, and at the very bottom is, uh, Satan and he's, not in like a fire pit he's trapped in ice That's uh so like okay. dante pictures like the core of hell as like cold super not, cold uh hot which you you kind of think like would that be worse than hot or better i don't know 
I would much rather freeze to death than burn to death. So maybe it's like a little bit of sympathy from the devil, but that makes sense because <laughs> the beast from over the garden wall is, you know, encapsulated in snow on the last episode, the last scene. That's really exciting. But that is a great transition into uh, the theme of this month. Uh, we are in October and this is our spooky season. Uh, we have come back around to it. This is our second time around doing spooky stuff. And uh, I took the reins for the first uh, first go around of this month. And Joe and I, ever committed to the bit, we went and saw The Exorcist in theaters for its 50-year anniversary. They brought it back some, to theaters. Some would say the spookiest movie. Like this, this is often lauded as the scariest movie of all time. Would you say so? It, it really is. Uh, it, it is heavily lauded as that because of the not only the subject matter, but like sound editing that they did, uh, visuals that they were able to creatively, um, you know, capture and give that uh, kind of like subliminal messaging, some of that creepy uh, flashes without too many jump scares mm -hmm. um, and just like really pushing the envelope of what you can show on screen for 1973's uh audience i really want to get to talking about like what they were able to do with i'm not gonna say like limited technology but like different filming technology in this yep. case like uh, a combination of practical effects and like it looks like they were using like film overlays like is that what it was basically where like they're putting one thing on top of another yeah to create an effect that mm -hmm. is used so effectively in this movie and then obviously uh, the the sound is kind of what what makes this movie for me. Which I'm super glad that we got to see it in theaters and that they did it right. Because um, mm -hmm. in some points it is just so loud at mm -hmm. some points, but then other parts where like we heard it in that trailer of like it's just the rattly breathing of Reagan, and mm -hmm. it's so chilling and it's so terrifying. Just because it's I don't know it elicits it, it's what you can't see right because uh, you can hear her breathing outside of the room or when they're even in the room and they're kind of focusing just on the priests and you know that she's just there right um yeah so they they broke a ton of molds and they tried so many different things practically with this movie and they accomplished a lot of stuff that i'm really excited to get into but first joe i wanted to get into uh just your overall first impressions what did you did you enjoy seeing this movie <laughs> in person did you have a good time I did. I did. To to kind of set the stage, um, this isn't the theater that we usually go to here in Atlanta to watch movies. No. The only place that was showing The Exorcist is kind of, it was farther away from my house than usual. I had never seen it before. It's kind of off the highway. And we show up and it's like a practically empty parking lot. And it's just this massive theater kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you already get the vibe that it's like the shining levels of Haunted. Um, and then you walk in and it's like, have these have these workers been here for a hundred years? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it felt like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's 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 setting it up perfectly. Yeah. I when I got home, Ryan asked me, she's like, so was it just like bustling with people like wearing shirts? Were they so excited? I was like, it was literally me and two other people. Yeah, there was and, a little boy like pushing a hoop through the hallways or something like that. <laughs> yeah, with a stick. <laughs> right. And then like two kids playing jump rope sing in slow motion. Singing, and then they you know, disappear. When we turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really creepy. I think it added to it. Um, I think that would have been better if we saw it at night because we saw it at four o'clock in the afternoon. 
I know um, we come out and it's daytime. Daylight. Yeah. Very disorienting. So I think it all played to it. Um, but overall, like with the with the movie, like did it live up to the hype? Because like you said, there's this uh unsaid thing about this movie. Like it is always in people's minds of just like, ooh, that is the scariest movie of all time, kind of a thing. What mm-hmm. did you what did you take away from it when you saw it after you saw I, it? I have I have probably like an interesting uh uh like way into this movie because let's do it. I had always I had heard so much about it, it has such a reputation that like just through society osmosis i just know a lot of the key points of this movie i know about the stairs i know like obviously the iconography of what uh reagan looks like once she's fully possessed that's oh, yeah. like huge as part of culture right mm-hmm. um and so those parts weren't shocking to me but i was interested more in like the story of the movie that i didn't necessarily know before and like some of the some of the plot points that came before the actual exorcism I was Mm -hmm. new to. Yeah. And so it was kind of, it was a mixture of like the most shocking elements weren't as shocking to me in a way. Right. And I, I kind of thought like, is this just because like I've, I've been around. Am I desensitized? Like I, the internet these days, I see this on TikTok all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. But I also fully recognize that there are probably certain parts of this movie that must have been insane and ground shaking in the 70s, right? Definite pearl clutching for sure. Yes. Uh, I, I have a whole segment about like it, the impact of uh, the just society at large and the people going to see the movie in the theaters, like what, it's what happened v- to them. I, I came away thinking that it's very cool that this movie exists. Like it uh, is. this, this is kind of badass. It's super badass, right? Um, it, it, multiple points throughout the movie, I'm just like, man, this movie fucking rips. This yeah. rules. Um, like, how did they get away with any of this? And you know what? You get you got to ask yourself that. So before the movie started, there was uh, a little preamble from some guy i don't remember who he was he said his name it's just some schmuck He's in a the suit. owner of the movie theater <laughs> welcome, welcome to my humble theater we play nickelodeons and things he here. does the it's... thing where like on screen he backs away out of the screen and then he really shows up in person in front of us okay uh, like jurassic park <laughs> so funny yeah uh, um, it, was... it was some sort of like producer guy giving like a before the movie talk yeah, talking about, you know, it's been 50 years, which, again, mind-blowing that this movie is 50 years old. Yeah. Um, and it still, looks good. It really does. Uh, that's the power of film, you know, when you make a movie on film. Um, the power of Christ. It, it, it is sort of compelling. Um, so, yeah, it, the, this guy, producer guy, given the background, you know, uh, of, it, of its impact, of its importance, um that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of gave just a little bit of backstory, uh, which I'm sure you probably weren't um, privy to, but I thought that was a nice little touch that they threw to it. And then we didn't stay for it, but at the end of the movie, they were doing like behind the scenes uh, stuff, which would have been really cool to see. But, you know, by then it was almost seven o'clock in the evening and we got, you know, we got it's places a, to be. You know, it's a long busy. movie. We're very busy. It was a long movie. So this movie is, is heralded as kind of obviously the, one of the scariest movies of all times. It's groundbreaking, but it's also, a slow burn. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't really pick up until like the last fifth of the movie. Um, Prior to that, it's just this slow, steady creep. Um, You know, you think it's going to be more about the possession and more centered on Reagan and the family. But I, uh, this time around watching it, I was really surprised that the, 
more of the focus is on the title character, the exorcist and mm -hmm. it, of it being um, uh, father Karis. It's his, yeah. it's his story. Really? I, I, I did have some notes about like the pacing of this movie. Like you're saying, like I didn't expect the exorcist to be the exorcism to be so far at the end. And it lasts probably like 20 minutes at that point. It's like very heightened, um, but it's, it takes you a while to get there. Also, I thought Max von Sydow was going to be like the main priest in question just from hearing about this movie. Mm -hmm. He's in like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then he is gone for the next like two hours. <laughs> and then he shows I, up I, at the end. And I was kind of checking my phone because uh, we were like the only people in the theater besides like yeah. two other people. So I was kind of like pulling it out of my pocket and just checking timing. And I was like, it's been like an hour and a half of no sit out. Where'd he go? Where's Max? <laughs> Yeah, and then he shows up at the end, and then he's only on screen again for another 10 minutes, and then he's gone. And then the movie's over. 50-year spoiler alert warning. He dies. <laughs> he dies. Uh, crazy stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's transition over and talk about some of the overview and get some some stats and things like that. So this movie was released, and we talked about this, <laughs> December 26th, the day after Christmas, 1973. Merry come, Christmas, Susie. Come on down. I got you tickets <laughs> to the theater. Let's go, kid. Bring uh, your new dolly. Like what a lovely after, yeah, after you know, day after Christmassy family flick. Uh, mm -hmm. Just what a wild thing to do for the studios to just like this very satanic, horrifying movie. Let's put it after Jesus's birthday. Just the the, the fun religious parallels you can have with scheduling. Um, th yeah. Those people know how to like have a little joke. Like Christian season's over. It's our yeah. time now. Yeah, it, it's season of the beast. Uh, this movie was directed by William Friedkin. Uh, they talked about Friedkin in that um, opening kind of thing uh, that we talked about already. Mm -hmm. uh, he'd previously done, um, fuck, what was the, the name? The French Connection. The French Connection. Um, mm -hmm. That's what got the studios interested uh, in him. Uh, they, they loved what he did there, and he was nominated and all that kind of stuff uh, for that. Uh, so this movie is also based on a novel written by William Peter Blatty. Uh, now, Blatty was, uh, you know, heavily involved. I know, right? What a cool family last name. Uh, involved with the production and oversight and screenwriting and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, the events were recorded. Uh, uh, so, that the novel, sorry, um, uh, was inspired by a real-life 1949 case about a de demonic possession and exorcism. Um uh, by let's see it was called the exorcism of roland doe uh, and mm. an actual 14 year old boy the events were recorded and documented by an attending priest and uh, the subsequent supernatural claims that surrounded the this event were used as certain elements in the novel so uh you know one of those typical uh, horror movie tropes of like based on true events kind of a thing before it I was a trope I think he made the right choice with the title in this case. Yeah, just The Exorcist, not like The Exorcism uh, based on true events. Yeah. The uh, Exorcism of Roland Doe. Yeah, like who the fuck is Roland? Rated R. Coming to a theater near you. Uh, so this movie stars Ellen uh, Burstyn as Chris McNeil, uh, Jason Miller as Father Karras, Max von Sydow as Father Marin, and Linda Blair as a young Reagan McNeil. Now, Ellen Burstyn... Uh, you know, you know her, you love her from, I know her from Requiem for a Dream uh, and one episode of SVU, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my connection with her. Those uh, are her big ones. Those are her big ones. Uh, uh, I think she's fantastic in um, this movie. Uh, she she really 
carries it really well of being like this upper echelon socialite kind of a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But her descent into madness uh, or not even madness, but just like despair by the end of the movie. uh, Just God, God bless her personal assistant throughout uh, this movie. She really sticks with the family. Like I would have been gone. Yeah. Across the country immediately. Um, So Burston was a relative unknown, um, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) blessed be. Uh, she was a relative Prince. unknown. Thank you. Uh, but she pleaded that her Catholic background suited her well for this role. So they're like, "Fine, you know what? Let's let's do it. You you can you can uh, spin a good yarn." Um, Audrey Hepburn and Jane Fonda were also considered for that role. Ooh, uh, that would have been those both would have been interesting, right? Um, but but I'm so glad that that uh, uh, Miss Burston was a part of this because she she fucking rules. Uh, mm. Jason Miller as Father Karras. Jack Nicholson and Paul Newman also considered for this role. Super weird, right? Um, Jack Nicholson, I think, hot off the heels of a, a one who flew over the cuckoo's nest, or just before. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So, like, young, weird, creepy uh, Jack Nicholson would have been strange. Um, but again, like pulling on the 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 strings of the studio and their background, uh, Jason Miller actually studied to be a Jesuit priest for three years before having a similar spiritual crisis, like Father Karras. So again, the studio was like, fucking, all right, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, freaking liked his chemistry with Burston. They did a screen test, uh, as well as his dark, good looks, haunted okay. eyes, and quiet intensity and low, okay, passionate I, I, voice. I do want to talk about this because let's talk about um, Father Karras. You, in the scenes that he has with Burston, where he is the priest coming to like help her daughter, and they're both kind of like one on oneing with each other to uh, figure out how to get this demon out. You kind of want them to kiss, no? <laughs> you absolutely do. Like, <laughs> should this be like plot B, plot C of just like, are we going to fall in love? It's 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 Fleabag esque uh, in terms mm, of mm-hmm. the hot priest. Um, yes, if they were to, to remake this movie today, they would... did not actively try to make this guy bad looking. I will just say, yeah, I mean, they made him look like a, bo- or they say that you know he looks like a boxer and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he looks just... like Rocky. He's very charismatic, but like, again, like I mentioned at the top with, with my asinine questions, but like all the priests in this movie are like good looking and like super cool. They're all drink and fucking smoke. Yeah. I think a couple of them. So the, the head Bishop guy that looks like a star Wars villain. And then like his priest (laughs) friend, um, are actual priests in real life. I I did like some Wikipedia on the movie. Like they just, they just pulled actual priests. Yeah. (laughs) You there, you did great. Yeah, they did a great, great job. Uh, oh, so like the the priest that's like playing the piano at the party or whatever that yeah that priest, yeah, uh, super cool. Yeah, not a bad looking priest in this flick. Uh, super cool. Um, Even von Sydow is like, I, I got to talk about his age in this because makeup, makeup. This movie's fifty years old. Yeah, he was in Game of Thrones like five years ago. Yeah, he was in. Um, he, he was also he, in the Force Awakens. <laughs> he is no longer with us. He he yeah. passed away when he was in his like his nineties. But still, like they make him look like seventy years old in this movie. He's probably like mid forties. He's the same age as Ellen Burstyn in the in the flick. Uh, That's Ellen Burstyn so crazy. Or, or Jason Miller, one of them. I think they're all about the same age. Uh, but yeah, insane. they aged him up, and they did such a good job with that. Like it took many hours to get him into that convincing makeup. But like it's incredible. 
I spent uh, like I spent like the first five minutes of this movie uh, while some crazy stuff was happening in Iraq or wherever, <laughs> like doing math in my head about Max von Sydow's age and like how that could possibly work. It's like he's like seventy, maybe sixty here. Was like, so like, is was he a hundred and twenty-five when he died? <laughs> yeah, little known fact: Max said I was one hundred and twenty-five <laughs> when he died. He's the oldest known person ever. Yeah, it's a sleeper fact. No one knows. Mm. Um, all right, so let's talk about Linda Blair for a second. So this role was famously difficult to cast because of the subject matter um, yeah. that we won't talk about. Uh, oh, goodness. Some things were just too difficult uh, for families and young actors uh, to, to stomach. Denise Nickerson, who played Violet Beauregard <laughs> and Willy Wonka, was considered, but her family looked at the script, took one look, and said, absolutely not. They got uh, to about page 20 and were like, she does what? <laughs> With a what? <laughs> In her what? Absolutely not. Let's go. Like, my child? She uh, says what? <laughs> <laughs> the things, it's like, the kids say the darndest things. Um, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis was also not allowed to audition because her mother, uh, Janie Lee, read the script and said, you cannot do that. So again, like what a weird world, right? We could have had a Jamie Lee Curtis or the Violet Beauregard in this, in this role. But I think Linda Blair, again, uh, a relative unknown, her first big breakout role, take on such a difficult mm -hmm. role and so compelling, um, crazy stuff, right? She, I mean, is aptly rewarded uh for this role she got major awards attention i think she won a globe and was nominated for an oscar mm -hmm. uh, yeah. a lot of the cast were um so this was like i'm sure we'll get into it but this was like a probably a breakout hit in terms of horror at mm -hmm. the academy awards right yes uh which we'll we'll get to that here in a second um so let's see very, uh, very concerned for Linda Blair in this movie, just you, both in sense of her in terms of her character and like as a child actress. I, I hope she did all right uh, uh, during this movie and they, they made it OK for her. I, I hope so, too. Like this wasn't permanently scarring. She, um, she is still alive. I did some digging. Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know she, if she shows up in the new one or not, but I know that Ellen Burstyn does. Yes. Um, we're going to share a, a, a hilarious uh, quote that I found on Instagram to our, <laughs> to our story soon. Um, so this movie had a budget of $12 million, incredibly over budget, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but the box office for this flick, $441.3 setting so many records. Not too uh, bad. Like so many, like selling out entire theater records, that kind of stuff. Famously, there were lines of people waiting outside in the freezing cold for hours to see this movie when it released so like really strange right um 2010 in 2010 this movie was uh the library of congress selected this film for preservation in the u.s national film registry as being culturally historically or aesthetically significant um which oh, i'll say it hits all of those marks um and yeah like you like you mentioned um this movie like went to fucking bat at the academy awards and golden globes Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Cinematography, Film Editing, Sound at the Academy Awards. They took home Best Screenplay. Miss um, Blatty took it. Uh, and Best Sound. Uh, I, that Nothing makes more sense than that. Yeah, uh, sound in the screenplay. It, the sound in this movie. I mean, we've, we've talked about the importance of sound. I think, was it... 
was it the social network where we were talking about Oscars and how it won sound and like how the sound and like particularly the score in that yep. movie are kind of what makes it. Yep. I think with horror as a genre, like sound is kind of almost more important than the visuals, especially in this movie where there's so much there's so much so many scenes where they're just kind of like we were talking like they're just talking downstairs and there's crazy shit happening upstairs that you can only hear. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, how do we get across that? This is the scariest thing you've ever uh, encountered without actually showing it. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like it, it definitely plays plays to it really well because a lot of people, that's something that people don't think of uh, mm -hmm. what makes this movie terrifying. Uh, they think of the visuals and things like that or the subject matter, but like the sound is the thing that like sticks with you and gets into your brain. Mm -hmm. um, that those are the things that you carry uh, after the fact. Um so yeah, so that that's kind of the the high and low of the movie. Uh, we already played the trailer, and so last time we waited till the very last second to do uh, a little cheers and talk about our beverages. Let's go ahead and do that at the top. <laughs> you are just checking the boxes. Hey man, I don't want to miss anything, and uh, I know that we're up against the clock anyway. But um, Joe, why don't you show me what you know? Show the folks and and describe to the folks what you're drinking. This is so much fun. Okay, um, what I have concocted here is I'll, I'll tell you the recipe it is equal parts gin sweet vermouth uh and campari with a dash of lemon juice and a little bit of a lemon on the rim mm -hmm. um and then ice in it a lot of people would call this a negroni because that is the recipe for a negroni it is but what famously. i'm calling it is the sour of ice camparis you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the, quite the pun master. That's amazing. The sour, yeah. uh, wait, the sour of Camparis. The sour of ice Camparis. Paris you. Yeah, it does. I'll text it to you. You should. That, yeah. Oh, that's so tongue in cheek. I love it. And it tastes uh, pretty good. Of course. Everyone loves a Negroni. Um, so what I got here is this lovely green, thick, monstrous mess here. I I'm knew you were going to do the green goop. I'm calling this, uh, again, accredited to, to Ryan. Uh, I had a different name, but she's like, no, it needs to be a Barfy Mary. Um, <laughs> and this is essentially like a green tomato Bloody Mary. Um, okay. Uh, roast, roasted green tomatoes, cucumber, bell pepper, jalapeno, parsley, cilantro. Blend it up into a juice with some lime. And then you dress it up like a, a Bloody Mary with vodka. Worcestershire, hot sauce, salt and pepper. Oh my goodness, so savory. Is it good? It's delicious. Ah, we're really, we're kind of killing it. Usually I make a drink and like visually it's okay and it tastes like shit, but like this, this <laughs> actually tastes good. Yeah, I mean, we, we may have hit it out of the park. We should submit it to um, those fake accounts that hit us up on Instagram whenever we post pictures and yeah. stuff. Like post it to here. Just like now Atlanta we Atlanta culture, it's a picture of a Negroni. <laughs> But it's not a Negroni. It's a... It's a Sour of Ice Camparis you. Damn right. Love it. <laughs> Without it in front of my face, I can't remember it. Um, cool. Let's move on to the next bits here. Uh, what makes this movie a classic overall? So um, first bit here, I want to talk about my connection with the movie when I remember first seeing it and all that. So the first time I watched this movie, I think I was about nine or ten. Uh, nine or ten years old with my friend with my friend Mike at his house. Uh, we watched this upstairs in like their bonus room or something like that. Um, I think it was well after midnight, and 
he and I were kind of going back and forth of like, should we watch it? We shouldn't watch it. Should we watch it? No, let's not watch it. It's the scariest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I've ever heard of like, no way we shouldn't watch it. Anyway, we did it. We watched it, but with all the lights on in the room and the lights stayed on in the room when we went to bed in the, bo- <laughs> in the bonus room, would not turn off the lights, refused until sun came up in the morning. Um, but yeah, like always heard the hype around it, even at, at, at a weird young age, but you know, that that's just me. It, it tracks of, you know, this being like this forbidden movie that like you really shouldn't see it because it is so scary. It is this, it's not even taboo. It's just like, you don't fuck with watching possession movies, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but I remember it absolutely captivating me, like holding my attention, but being so terrified by watching it. Um, did the, did the terror come from like any sort of like religious place or was it more just like, this is a scary movie and crazy shit's happening? It's more of the latter. Uh, I didn't grow up terribly religious. I grew up uh, like Catholic, light Catholic adjacent because of my mm. Hispanic background. Like I remember, I remember <laughs> going to midnight mass because there was a church across the street when we lived in Texas. But like I, I never like took my Catholic vow or whatever it is, uh, the, whatever you do. The, the sacraments, yeah. Or you drink the thing and you eat the stuff. Uh, I never did that. But I always kind of knew that like, possession stuff was like kind of too real so like don't fuck with that kind of shit oh yeah um so yeah uh i remember also specifically too in years later after watching it uh in the dawn of the web 1.0 um you remember do you recall or did you ever come in contact with like those trick websites um where like eventually it would would pop up pop up her face Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah yeah I remember that. And for the first time, like seeing that and just being just like, holy shit, the internet is terrifying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, it was famously like her face, her possessed face and like a a blood curdling scream as loud as it could possibly go. Like at the top of the, yeah, they got, they they really made the, the possessed face something like they, they did not uh, cut any corners there. They They were like, we're going to make this look insane. Legit and horrifying. Uh, So I remember that, but, um, ever since then, like possession movies have always been the most scary to me. Anytime mm-hmm. that I watch any other horror movies, seconded only by home invasion flicks. Um, so like those two possession and home invasion are the scariest to me because they're the most real in mm-hmm. a sense, like this could happen. Not that I believe in, uh, de- demons or anything like that, but like there are actual documented stories and stuff like that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. that's really terrifying. Um, so that's what I carried with me uh, <laughs> for a while. To this uh, day. To this day. Um, but yeah, this this time around, seeing it um, uh, with you and those two other strangers in the theater, uh, I had. Nice. They did right. I think they had a good time. I think they were like a father son, which is which is cute. You love that. That's. Um, I had a good time with this movie. The second this time going around. Uh, this upteenth time seeing it of um, like, I appreciated it for, for what it is, for what it was, the mm-hmm. cinematography choices, the, the score and everything. I was like, this is just a really cool, well-rounded crafted film. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it exists in a time of horror when you have like Halloween and um, stuff like Texas chainsaw massacre. And I don't know when Friday the 13th first came out but that was within like that yeah that 20 year period you know but this this isn't really a slasher and i think that's what it that's why it gets a little bit more recognition from like 
you know, more official awards bodies and stuff like that is because it for an incredibly scary movie that is gruesome. It's not really bloody and like the people die in this movie, but like it specifically doesn't show people dying a lot. Uh, yeah, it's usually a lot like of the off main screen kills yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah, or off screen. Like they don't show you the director's body. They just describe it to you in horrifying detail. Yeah, he fell down all those stairs, but his head was turned around the other way. I mean, obviously, like all of the gruesome imagery is focused on this little 12 year old girl, and they absolutely show all of that. Uh, So I guess Mm -hmm. like it's it's balanced out in that way. But it is interesting to think of like the power of just like the power, (laughs) the power of Christ, like not not showing you something on screen, but instead having you imagine it. And like, mm-hmm. is that a scarier alternative? Like we're we're basically just doing the work instead. And like what we're imagining in our head is much more individualized and more scary than anything they could actually show us. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's the things that they don't show you or that you can't see that are the most horrifying. Mm. So <clears throat> touching back on some of your points. So the year after this, 1974 is when uh, Texas Chainsaw came out. And mm-hmm. then in 1978 was when Halloween came out. So this was a pioneer, uh, you know, uh, horror movie in a lot of ways for those kind of things. So like 70s horror has like a, you know, a unique kind of atmosphere to it. Uh, and this, you know, plays a big part of it. Um, it seems like this is like maybe when it crosses over into horror equals money uh, at this point. Like, yeah, they're like, you can really like have a big, huge box office from these movies. Are we on to something here? And the answer is yes. Um, money, money, money. So, Joe, before we get any too much further, uh, I want to talk about some other things. But let's take a break, and I want you to give me the plot in one minute <laughs> of 1973's The Exorcist. I can do this. I'm not scared. Are you right? <laughs> not scared. Why would you even say that? <laughs> no. Who told you? Because uh, <laughs> they're lying. Uh, all right, Joe, let's go in uh, three, two, one. Okay, The Exorcist is about two girls who are fucking going through it. Um, Ellen Burstyn plays Chris, who has a daughter named Reagan. Um, Reagan uh, finds an Ouija board in the basement and plays with it and ends up getting possessed. They don't really know what's wrong with her at first. They try to take her through a series of like medical exams. The doctors ultimately cannot figure out anything that's actually physically wrong. And Reagan's becoming more aggressive and more of like a little sarcastic shit and more violent. Um, eventually, the doctors uh, uh, refer her to an exorcism as more of like a mental thing to see if they can uh, figure it out. And so that's when we learn about these two priests. One of them is having a kind of a crisis of faith. Uh, and he's kind of the main priest who comes in to help Chris out with Reagan. Um, And then a second priest comes in kind of later in the game who has dealt with exorcism before in the past. And so together they perform an exorcist, uh, an exorcism on Reagan, who has like full on become possessed by a demon and uh, they are successful, but they both die um, in it. The end. Yeah, I I think I covered some major points, but there's obviously like some intense imagery that happens uh, throughout. She 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 pisses on the ground. Uh, Yeah, there's there's a uh, something with a crucifix happens and it's just it's madness. But you hit all the high points. Um, I think I I think one of the things I want to talk about is like the different phases of reagan in this movie okay so like you could you could almost like down to the minute kind of like mark off almost like with like the makeup she has on her face like Mm -hmm. how crazy things are getting so like you start out and she's kind of a normal girl she's 
happy. Her and her mother love each other. It's it's great. Um, I was actually I thought like one of the emotional high points of the movie was like hearing her on like the recorded phone call when after she's already been possessed and like Chris is going in and like uh, Chris or the priest, someone is going in and like listening to her on a call for like signs of how soon this was happening before. And she's just like, she sounds like a regular uh, like shy kind of immature kid. It was like real. It was super realistic in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get that foundation of her as a kid. Then in what I think was kind of the scariest portion of that movie is that like hour or so of like in between. Um, so you have, you know that she's played with the Ouija board and Mm -hmm. shit's about to get real. Like things are happening. She's talking about like Captain Howdy or something like that, which is never a good sign. Do not ever let your kids have imaginary friends that are older men. Um, (laughs) um, and, (laughs) and so, you know, something's wrong. And at that point it becomes kind of a suspense thing of like, when you see, certain things shining through like when is she actually like a regular little girl and when is she maybe kind of hiding something like it 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 comes out when earlier on in the movie her and chris are kind of in bed together and they're having this like nice conversation and she starts to ask her mom about like whether or not she like likes the director that she's working with on her movie Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you kind of almost like expect her to like start talking about like chris fucking someone or something like that out of the blue you know Mm -hmm. like uh some crazy thing like that and so you there's like this creeping sense of dread uh which leads up to the the medical testing portion of the movie which i thought was the most disturbing definitely Uh, yeah like forget forget the exorcism like there's there's not as much makeup on her in this case she still looks like a little girl and they're like putting her through the intense, <laughs> like yeah. electro shock therapy, like it's it's insane. There's a moment where like they have to like put a needle into her neck to get like some spinal fluid and stuff. Yeah, uh, and it like spurts blood, and it's like the the real horror of this movie is seventies medical technology. Yeah, um, right. Because when they do like the MRI or whatever it is, it is the oh loudest thing God. you've ever heard, and it looks like they're hooking her up to like the atom bomb from Oppenheimer or something. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, it, it's very indicative visually of like frankenstein's monster like strapped yeah. to a board and she's like raised up at an angle and she's like good 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 like i don't remember seeing this on house yeah um, <laughs> where's dr um, house when you need <laughs> so like there's like an hour of that where it's just like it's constantly getting worse and worse and she's kind of becoming more aggressive she's like she's like saying this crazy shit um and then at the house she's coming downstairs to the party and like peeing all over herself uh, and then obviously there is a scene with a crucifix and uh, a certain amount of blood. Yeah. Um, they're like, you know what? We, we need to get some help here. Maybe, maybe Tylenol is not cutting it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, this 1970s Tylenol is just not enough. And then, so uh, what's, what's the name of the younger priests uh, in this Karis? Karis, the main priest. Karis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karis. So Karis comes in, and by the time he comes in, she's Reagan is kind of like fully taken over, and they're really starting to like lay on like the demon makeup at this point. She's got kind of like a sickly, uh, pussy look to her. She's got these crazy contact lenses on that give her like a yellow eye. Mm-hmm. It weirdly levels out in terms of the horror for me at that point because it's obviously like the the suspense is gone in a way like uh, we're, we're in it like, yes, let's do the exorcism, but also like 
her as the demon is kind of just this like sarcastic little shit. Like I yeah. kind of I, I wanted to see more of her and the priests interacting because they're kind of having this like back and forth. Yeah, a little um, where they're like challenging each other. Yeah. Um and I I I I feel safer in a way in that scene than watching this like little child actress get tortured with these medical devices. Yeah, that those the those scenes in particular were a lot of uh what um you know disturbed a lot of the audience at the mm -hmm. time of just like because like it was kind of taboo or whatever to kind of like uh portray medical stuff like that in such a you know passive way. And again, um, like it it's real. It's like you're saying like that's it's real. something that could more happen like just in real life. Yeah, and it is the worst thing you've ever seen of just like you're actually kind of like sort of torturing this poor young girl. Mm -hmm. Um when you when we know the audience that like it's not anything with her brain or whatever. We know that she's possessed um because we know what happens at the movie. We know what it's called. But uh you know, the the <laughs> ultimate failure of of the medical community of just like, well, I don't know, let's run another test. Be different if this movie was called The Doctor. The Doctor is mm. in. The Doctor, the doctor is, is in. <laughs> um so let's there's this thing i want to talk about joe uh there was uh uh it's called the production curse about this movie oh, did no. you know anything about that i let me let me tell you what i know about the behind the scenes bits and you tell me if it lines up so i read up a little bit about behind the scenes here i know that the director character in the movie he like died while filming this the the one who she like kills first mm -hmm. is that kind of part of the curse here oh yeah 100 percent. yeah did anyone uh, else did anyone else die yeah <laughs> let's let's run through it um, oh no so <clears throat> originally this movie was slated for 85 days of photography but ended up taking over 200 days to wrap um, by the events that follow uh, of course sending uh the the budget two and a half million dollars over budget because of all the delays and things um early on during filming a bird flew into a circuit breaker on the house sets which caused a fire that destroyed the whole set except reagan's room see that's that's bible shit yeah right that's that's revelations <laughs> that's numbers nar 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 <laughs> uh uh Ellen Burstyn fractured her tailbone in the scene Ooh. where she's like thrown back against the wall by Reagan. And that's mm -hmm. the take that they use in the movie when oh, she gosh. actually breaks her tailbone. Um, lots of issues after the fact. Uh, uh, Linda Blair fractured her lower spine during the bed rocking scene. Because I would absolutely believe that. Yeah. Because the, the rig that she was tied to uh, was loose. Uh, not tight enough. Uh, and that take was also used. Uh, she developed scoliosis because of that injury. Um, huh. let's see. A carpenter accidentally cut his thumb off. A oh lighting tech lost a toe in another accident. Um, the actor who played the director uh, died a week after filming his scenes. Mm -hmm. The actor who played Karis's mother died shortly after filming as well. Several, oh no. several other crew members or members of their families also died. Um, Blair's grandfather died during the first week of production. Von Sydow's brother died after his first day of shooting. He had to leave. Oh, gosh. Um, Paul Bateson. Paul Bateson. 
he played a medical tech in uh i think in the uh the angiography scene the one where they oh i think i do know this one he was a real convicted murder murderer and discovered several years after the film's release a real murderer was on set um crazy shit so the cast and crew were very wary of something seemingly supernatural going on with like we're filming this movie with all this deep religious shit and horrifying demonic possession and all this weird stuff is happening uh, Friedkin asked Father Birmingham, the film's technical advisor, to perform an exorcism on set. But Birmingham instead uh, opted to just bless, bless the yeah, cast he, and crew. He's not going to perform an exorcism. Because a real exorcism would just only make the <laughs> cast and crew way more anxious. Like, like it's, it, it, From a religious standpoint, it would be better for him to just bless it. There's, there's nothing to really exercise in that case. Like some weird spooky shit's going on with the set. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do an actual ex- exorcism. Um, so yeah, like obviously, yeah, the cast and crew super anxious the whole time. Um, but I mean, it all pays off in the end. They all yeah. took home uh, uh awards and stuff like that. So like, come on, don't be babies. Burson's still around. She's still around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, why this movie is a classic, Joe? This movie, like I said, broke so many molds in many different ways, pushing the boundaries of modern horror film and just film in general. Um, the sensationalism, wait, sensationalism around the release is something that I hinted at. Mm-hmm. Um, there were reports of people fainting, vomiting, and passing out during the movie, uh, which you which, can believe. Like, you cannot have better press than that. I know, right? And a part of that like, kind of fed the machine, and this is, it kind of gives way for it being part of like the national conversation movies doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were there were news reports and stuff of people having to be taken away on stretchers, and there's like a cool shot of someone on a stretcher in front of the movie theater being taken away. Some theaters have ambulances on call, numerous spiritual crises erupting, exorcism requests going through the roof. You know, the person doing the data analytics at on the Catholic Church side of just like you got to see these reports, boss. Like <laughs> exorcisms through the roof. <laughs> We're up 200% in exorcisms this year. How, now, how do we capitalize on that, Johnny? How can we make we gotta money? We got to sell t-shirts. If we sell, sell, sell t-shirts. <laughs> the power of A-D-E. Christ is compelling. <laughs> yeah. uh, reports of cinematic neuroses taking place due to the immense anxiety caused by the film's visual and loud disorienting sound mixing and effects was also mm-hmm. a phenomenon taking place. People just being so overcome, overcome by anxiety and just the heightened sense of fear, uh, you know, just taking over a person, which, well, you know, one of the more interesting bits that I, uh, found in this movie was like how hard they try to like prove things medically. And t- before it even becomes a movie about exorcism, like they really like cross all the boxes. They, they do every test that they can. Yeah. And so it, it really, and they, they even have like a scene where they're trying to explain exorcism and possession from like a medical standpoint, how it can be more of like a mental like placebo effect uh, where you think you're being exercised. And so like you kind of stop harassing your own brain in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to have that in the movie also paralleled in the real world response to this movie. Like people are kind of like having mental conniptions over this movie. And there's also such a major religious uh, aspect as well. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a good uh, transition here, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I, now I asked for your permission a couple you days did. ago 
You did. So uh, I have your permission. So here we are, Joe. We're in Joe's Catholic corner. Is that all right with you? Let that's, us. That's all right. Let us proceed. Joe, how did this movie hit you as someone who grew up Catholic? Ellen Burstyn and I, one of the many things we have in common is that we we both did grow up Catholic. Um, and so <laughs> I think coming to this movie as a Catholic person, it's it's like you were saying before, like when when movies like this involve like the devil in a way, that's when it gets a little too real. And I'm like, mm-hmm, no, thank you. <laughs> um, I think I think. Uh, the reputation that this movie had kind of helped me too. Um, where like I, I just know that this isn't some like underground videotape that we found in a box that's going to kill us. Like it's we should we should a, do that. <laughs> this is a that. national like almost beloved work of art in a way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's been it's been watched by so many people, and I wanted to be a part of that. Also, with the with the latest uh, sequel that's come out, I've kind of been reading up on that. So many people are saying like this. You would think like Catholics would have like a major problem with this movie just because of like the subject matter. But in a way, this movie is reaffirming a lot of stuff about Catholicism. Like the the exorcism kind of does work. Uh, spoiler alert. So uh, like it, I, I'd be interested to be around in that time and see what the actual response from the church evolved into being i know at first they were kind of like no one see this because this is disgusting and horrible right. but yeah i wonder if over the years there were like is this kind of a movie that's kind of on our side in a way like yeah. uh how how many people are going to become catholic because of this movie uh so the 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 funny thing is that like they saw their numbers increase the data analytics <laughs> guy was like we're seeing numbers uptick guys like boss you're not going to believe this <laughs> Turn it to channel nine. Yeah. That that thing, that thing. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. The thing that we wanted, the thing that the big guy wanted, it's happening. Um, amazing. Uh, 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 so uh, thank you for that answer. Uh, now, did exorcisms ever come up in conversation, sermons, or what have you that weren't related to this movie growing up? No, no, no. not really. Uh, no. I think if you're... If you're ever talking about like the Bible and particularly like Jesus's life, there are a few moments of exorcism that are just like part of the stories, but it's not really, it's like him driving demons out and that's kind of, uh, we press the button and it's done kind of thing. It's not really like, (laughs) oh, this is like a multi-day month process that's going to physically drain all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So no, you don't. You don't really learn about the exorcism in Sunday school or anything like that. Um, but it, it, like so many things with Catholicism, something even as dark as this can be normalized because it does just go to show that there is like, uh, as much as there is a dark presence in the world, there is a light presence uh, sure. as well. There's like a balance there. Absolutely. And so, like, you you can bring up exorcism in a Catholic church, and it's kind of like bringing up. It's not a, I, don't, I don't know. It's not a taboo thing. No, no. It's just uh, like, it's, oh, it's, yeah, totally. It's just it's not really a regular thing these days. Like you, you don't have people really performing exorcism, which is why I'd, I'd want I'd be curious to see like what the latest is there. Like, do they do is they there keep an, rules like is there an app they, for it? Right. Do they keep like practicing and stuff? Like, does anyone is anyone out there like still uh conditioned to be an exorcist like i I don't know did did the 
Catholic Church ad- adopt a subscription to DocuSign <laughs> to approve exorcisms on the fly? These are the questions that I that I want answered. Yeah. How much yeah, does te- to... <laughs> how big of a role does technology play? The demon has to sign and like he'll hear back about like the results of the exorcism <laughs> in seven days. Yeah. It's all and it's all built into our app. I exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, Joe, last question here. <laughs> in Catholic quarter, and then we'll get out of here. Uh Joe, do you believe in demons, possession, or exorcism? Do I believe in demons, possession, or exorcism? I would say Right now, probably not, but I tend to take like an agnostic view of these type of things. It's just like there's not really a way to disprove it. I told you I was watching South Park uh, earlier. There's a <laughs> yes. funny episode where like they go to a Kenny is sent to like a uh, like a halfway house or that's not that's not the name for it, like a a, a home for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the people running it are like crazy uh, uh, agnostic. And so instead of being like super religious in a way, they they make the kids like not really believe one way or another. That's um, amazing. It's it's funny. Anyway, um, I I growing up Catholic, you can't really ever shake uh, the the burden of knowing about demons and stuff. Um, and so that's still very much present. I think for a movie like this, though, I the the craft of it was so much in front of the screen that I was able to appreciate that more like as like a, just a work of film and stuff Mm -hmm. like, and so I enjoyed it in that sense. Um, I wasn't, I, I thought I would be more like, uh, disturbed or like, uh, like worried uh, Mm -hmm. about the subject matter here, but Mm -hmm. I, I kind of enjoyed watching it. So you slept fine that night. I I weirdly did. Yeah. (laughs) When, Weird. Like, what does that say about you <laughs> five years ago i wouldn't i think i'm just dying on the inside there you go you're desensitized by everything uh yeah. because of gestures around because of everything how about that um uh i want to talk about some iconic lines and scenes and then i want to get some of your final thoughts mm-hmm. um you know it's used in a lot of trailers of a, a voiceover of just you know what a wonderful day for an exorcism mm-hmm. um the the way that they you know, digitally kind of layered her voice with somebody else's to mm-hmm. like make it seem super off-putting. I love it. It um, sounds incredible, looks incredible. Yeah, they they really there's, did their homework. There's one particular <gasps> shot where I think she's talking to like the therapist for the one time they talk to a therapist. And that's when it's the only time when her face actually changes on screen. Like it goes from like Linda Blair to, and this is where I think they, they must have like overlaid yep. something. Mm-hmm. like her eyes actually change and she becomes like the demon face and it's yeah. so cool and it's kind of seamless the way that they did it knowing that it's not necessarily like cgi <laughs> yeah there are several scenes throughout the movie where okay so the demon's name they they don't specifically say it i don't know if they do in some of the bonus cuts or extended scenes the demon that possesses reagan is not satan himself not lucifer Morningstar, or anything like that uh, the, it's pazuzu mm-hmm. um are you not supposed to say it out loud? Is it kind of like a Voldemort sort of thing? No. No, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> is Pazuzu like a real, like, known demon, or is that made up for this movie? I think it's a real demon. Like, the uh, the statue and everything was like a, a faithful reproduction of it, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I think that's, that's the story, and I think it's real. But um, there are several scenes where, like, there's like a flash in the corner, and you kind of see the face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like throughout the house and that kind of thing, just to alert you to the presence. Um, 
uh, obviously, the power of Christ compels you has been used ad nauseum throughout uh, throughout a bunch of uh, cinema and media. Uh, Father Marin's arrival scene is just so masterfully done. Uh, getting out of the cab, the long, foggy light coming from the house. That was the mm-hmm. first take, and they nailed it. It looks um, real good. Used for posters and all that kind of stuff. I got a poster right here above my workstation of it. It's on so many t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Super iconic. Uh, the levitation scene uh, towards the end, like when she breaks her binds and she's in the Jesus Christ pose, mm-hmm. rising up, her eyes are white. Um, that was the most difficult shot to get. It was a custom rig underneath her. They had to hand paint the wires frame by frame so it was seamless. It oh, was, wow. Hats off to the crew for that. Um, uh, the head spinning, spinning scene is iconic. The vomiting, the green uh bile whatever it is 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 also iconic uh and of course you already touched on it the medical test scenes being the most horrifying realistic thing and it's the Mm -hmm. loudest thing you've ever heard yeah it's the most off-putting thing i also wanted to touch on like i love the theme music for this movie it sounds Uh, so cool it's kind of like a crazy horrific carol of the bells in a way yeah it's Um, called tubular bells Right. That's what it is. I thought it would play more, but it really plays for like a second at the beginning. And then the movie largely doesn't have music like Mm -hmm. or or I didn't really notice any. Yeah, there's like some at the beginning, some at the end, but it's largely just like Reagan raspily breathing and Mm -hmm. they play tubular bells for a second, like you said. Uh, And that's about it, really. Uh, But it became just so iconic because it so juxtaposes uh, like the the subject matter it's kind of like a dinky plinky plonky kind of a sound it's kind of mm-hmm. pretty like you said it's kind of just like a minor version of uh, carol of the bells like, bop to it you know it's a bop uh but um, pairing it with horrifying things it, it makes it super cool i think i think one of the things that make this movie stand out as a horror movie too is the way that it'll just like cut away from things like i expected it to stay in these scary scenes for much longer when crazy stuff starts to happen with Reagan and the demon and stuff and like things are moving around and then like when it gets to the like the high point of each scene a lot of the times it would just cut away to something completely happening somewhere else like several Mm -hmm. days later yeah um and so like it's it's almost like it's 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 a lot of like sharp ups and then cliffs sharp ups and then cliffs and then the last 20 minutes are full exorcism yeah and i think you know we talked about the the pacing a little bit i think that is um this movie is a good master class in that because it you know what the movie's called you know ultimately what's supposed to happen and it's just this slow terrifying build to that crescendo and uh things just keep going getting worse and worse and worse uh for them and then uh, you think there's like there's going to be more you think it's going to be a deeper battle between the priests and, and the demon. Um, but you know, something's up as soon as, um, father Marin says like, you, you step outside, I'll keep going. You're like, don't do this alone. And it, and he dies. It doesn't even show his death. He kind of just walks back in and he's dead. And like, Chris isn't really present for the exorcism itself. Like I thought she would be more like part of the end game there, but it's more about these like two priests and their, crisis of faith against this demon yeah yeah i mean like i said the title of the movie is the exorcist and it Mm -hmm. is it is father cares movie it's he has the growth the the most complete arc Mm -hmm. of you know crisis of faith putting it to the test you know like putting on his his super suit like i need to go back to work and actually do it wrestling with the guilt about his mom and all this kind of stuff 
being questioned by the the super sleuth, you know. Oh my god, I was about to say like the the title of the movie is The Exorcist, but we know what it should be called: Cool Ass Detective. <laughs> cool Ass Seventies Detective. Who is that guy? He kind of comes in like an hour and a half into the movie, and I'm like wait, is this guy like a main character right now? Does he get his own yeah. spinoff? Who is this? He should, yeah, like this This sequel, it's a buddy cop flick. It's the exorcist and the detective, you know? He's kind of just like behind the scenes of everything that happens in the second half of this movie. He interviews everyone and he's kind of, he just wants someone to go to the movies with him all the time. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. want this guy's origin story in a TV show. Yeah, they, we should pitch it. We should pitch it to Paramount <laughs> uh, or, or Warner Brothers and see what they say. Um yeah, this this movie is is super cool. I'm glad you got to see and appreciate like the craft behind it, even if it isn't like outright terrifying. Um, there are some things that kind of stick with you. There are some things to appreciate, you know, especially if you take a step back and you're just like, this was really groundbreaking. If I can put myself into 1973 shoes, this would rock the world of everybody. Um, I think if they were to remake or do this movie again. Uh, in in modern times, it would be paced so differently. The focus would be on the shock of a possession and all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't work. Well, I mean, funny you should say that because that's literally happening right now With, um, as we speak. It's like it's the opening week of The Exorcist Believer. Yeah. Um, which has not been getting the best reviews because of all those reasons. It's like it's losing. Yeah. It lost the magic of the original. Like, what are they doing? Uh, uh, um, you know, it's always a cautionary tale whenever they do a requel of mm -hmm. those the, these movies that are 40, 50 years after the fact don't really take into consideration any of the sequels that take place. Um, uh, a lot of times they are they are misses, um, but that's all right. Uh, Joe, give me some of your final thoughts and closing arguments on The Exorcist. Final thoughts. Uh, I think it's a masterclass in... Uh... The, the form of cinema bent towards uh, horror. So uh, using visuals and sound sparingly but sharply uh, is more than layering it on thick, you know? Um, and so in a way, like if, you, if your movie revolves around like one single iconic uh, thing, like the demon possessing Reagan, it can be so much more successful than having that but like more uh like you mm -hmm. see in so many horror movies these these days where they just try to like overcompensate and have so many horrific things happening uh instead having it have like a central uh horror can be uh, a little bit uh more successful of a movie uh in my opinion yeah, i agree um a, a new perspective that <clears throat> that i that i now take with me when i see movies uh ones that i've seen before or new movies is the perspective of a parent um obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more there's different horror to that of just like i can't imagine having to watch your kid go through all this bullshit and you're supposed to keep it together or you know not <laughs> so um, so you're talking about the character in the movie or the parents of this child actress both honestly i'm just like <laughs> holy shit that kid's gonna need some therapy and and i oh, yeah. hope linda blair did get some uh after the fact because that's a that's a tough burden to carry is, is putting on this flick I think she had some ups and downs, but she's she's doing all right right now. Yeah, from what she, I can tell, we love we love an icon. Um, we love a slay. We love a slay. The demon slayed so hard in this, uh, right? Yeah, Pazuzu is such a cool drag name too. <laughs> uh, 
I'm sure there's a drag queen named Pazuzu. If not, I'd be interested. Um, all right, Joe, we're going to do some end games. Bear with me because I finished this down to the wire. Let mm. me give you some backstory. I think subconsciously what you told me last episode about your fever dream about putting on a podcast <laughs> happened to me. I too had a stress dream about this exact episode last night. It's like where a ring for stress dreams. We were recording side by side for a reason, for, oh, for some reason. Um, the videos weren't syncing up right. I didn't have my notes correct. I had my sister stand in for me while I tried to finish the game. And then when I tried to take over, it didn't work. Um, She's like, Justin, we're late for school, though. <laughs> yeah. And the school bus is driving backwards, you know, down the street. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, but I legit had a, a, a semi-stress dream. And all day, I finished this video. I finished the game the minute before I jumped on. Um, so if it's a little janky, that's fine. But uh, here we go. We're, we're in the end games. Uh, we're going to play something. This will be fun. Joe, we're going to play Goosebumps or Real News. <laughs> Hell yeah, we are. Damn right. Uh, did you watch Goosebumps? I TV series? did not until right now know it was a TV series. I, I read the books, though. It was a TV series. Super fun. Um, all right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read to you a sentence or two that is essentially describing the plot of a story from a popular uh, kids book series from the 90s Goosebumps series. Uh, or... It is 100% a real news story. Basically, is uh, are these real or fake? Okay. What I'm reading to you. We've got 10. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. Number one, a family is terrorized by a doll that's exhibiting supernatural tendencies. Speaking a different language, moving at random places of the house on its own, and showing up after being thrown away. Real or fake? This is um, Night of the Living Dummy, so I'm going to say Goosebumps. This is very real. Uh, a haunted Elsa doll from 2013 uh, from the movie uh, Frozen uh, was ended up... Uh, uh, all these things actually happened. Um, it started speaking in Spanish, even though there wasn't a setting for that. Uh, they oh, wow. tried. The family tried to throw it away, and it would show back up like on their bench inside their house. Um they eventually had to uh, like try to throw it away several times. They mailed it to a family friend uh, in a different state, and that person strapped it to the front bumper of their truck, and it, they haven't seen it since. But uh, that actually happened. Yeah, it's also Night of the Living Dummies, so I will be suing you. Um, but we can go on. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, okay. Uh, 
a no, family. No, it's, it's okay. He doesn't. He doesn't speak a different language in Night of the Living Dummy. So. He does not. You should have paid attention. Um, number two, a family moves into a new house that they have mysteriously inherited. Ill things follow once the family meets the neighbors. Is that true or fake? That could absolutely be true in a million cases. So I will say true. It's fake. That's the Goosebumps book, Welcome to Dead House. Justin, this is bullshit. <laughs> Number three, a man went to a doctor for a follow-up kidney exam only to find out that his kidney had been accidentally removed by another doctor who wasn't real and sold it on the black market. Is that real or fake? I don't think they would have that in Goosebumps. I'm going to say real. That's real. Uh, a p- police in Pakistan broke up a very real black market uh, organ trading ring. It seems a little too real for, for Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a man and his family are searching for ancient manuscripts in a distant land from home. The children get lost in the woods and come across very strange things. Real or fake? I'm going to say fake Goosebumps. It's fake. That is Goosebumps, the legend of the lost legend. Um, a family moves into their dream home only to be stalked by a crazed person who threatens their lives. Real or fake? Um, I will say fake goosebumps. It's real. A family in New Jersey had to flee their dream home after a person was making threatening phone calls to kill them all, calling himself the watcher. Um, goodness. Yeah. Uh, is that what that TV show is about? Uh, I think so. I think you're right. There's, there's a TV show about it, yeah. I don't know. Uh, a local piano school keeps a spooky reputation for having students take a class and never leaving alive. <laughs> I really hope that's goosebumps. What if I told you it was real? It's they fake. They would have shut down the school. <laughs> they would immediately shut down the school. Uh, yeah, that's fake. That's goosebumps. <laughs> piano lessons can be murder. Uh, oh God. Number seven, a man follows a student home from class, breaks into their apartment in the night, and attempts to cut a piece of flesh to consume. Is that real or fake? That that sounds too real again. It is real. This was 1974 in Tokyo. The charges were dropped due to a mistaken charge, like a, a, a wrongful charge, But uh, so he was let off, uh, but that man later did commit murder. Um <laughs> Number eight, a small family farm is terrorized by their seemingly alive scarecrows and other menacing things. This is Goosebumps. That's, that's Goosebumps. That's fake. Uh, the scarecrow walks at midnight. The local librarian in a small town is suspected of mysterious things, monstrous things. This is Goosebumps. <laughs> it is Goosebumps. Uh, the girl who cried monster. Yep. Uh, just <laughs> finished reading that one. That one's fun. Uh, number 10, this is the last one. Uh, an anonymous child is suspected of being possessed by a demon. It later inspires a movie. I'm going to say that this is real based on context clues. Correct. Yeah, it's the the exorcism we talked about, the exorcism of Roland Doe. Roland Doe. Roland into Doe is more like it. I hope he got royalties if he pulled that alive. I don't know. Um, probably not. Joe, that was the exorcist. Um, well, hell of a way to start off spooky season by watching a beloved classic. I I would say so. I think we couldn't start at a higher high, and we are gonna, if I may, uh, keep the spooky girl vibes going. <gasps> yeah. uh, for part two of this mini series. So, you know what I did? I what looked back at our mini series from last year. 
I didn't get a spooky movie last year. We nope, did you were a big pushover. I did two things. Two of yours because you were spooky king, and that's not happening this year. So we will. <laughs> we <laughs> I am will still be talking about um, what some people call, you know, the the crazy girl follow up to The Exorcist. Uh, we're talking about 2023's Megan. Megan with a three. Um, uh, so this will be a movie that I have seen. Uh, I had a great time with it in the theater, uh, and I am really, really excited for Justin to experience Megan. Yeah, I've only seen the trailer. I know nothing else about it other than you telling me I had a blast at the theater. And do not um, learn anything more about it. I don't want to. Um, I, I skip all the TikToks that come across about it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, we need a little levity. We need some 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 fun, good time girl vibes. Yeah. Uh, in spooky season, uh, I think that's what 2023 is all about. Um, we're we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, we sure we certainly are. Um, but yeah, that's 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 that. Uh, stay tuned for that episode uh, later this month, and um, yeah, we'll catch you guys uh, later. We did Bye. the Exorcist. We did Bye. the Exorcist. <laughs>